You remember the story I used to tell you about the little bird that blown out of his nest during a storm? He had to fly for the first time, didn't he? That's right. He flew and he flew and finally, after the storm, he found his way home. Oh, honey, I want you to find The Ewoks help you. Welcome to Now Playing's Star Wars Retrospective Series. What have you done with the Ewoks? Ah, the Ewoks, of course. Your friends. They are my friends, too. Hosted by Arnie. You know what? You're my best friend. Yes, best friend. Stuart. He could help us. Him help. And Jacob. I'm so glad you're here. Come to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as they review another Star Wars film, leading up to Episode 7, The Force Awakens. All I want is the power. Make it work! This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers. There's no escape for you, my little one. Listener discretion is advised. I have waited long enough. You will discover its magic or die. Today we're discussing Ewoks, the battle for Endor. <laughs> Starring Wilford Brimley. <laughs> Are we sure this isn't the battle for oatmeal? The battle against diabetes. <laughs> and he loses. You check for Ewoks often. You got no reason not to. Warwick Davis, Aubrey Miller, Paul Gleason. <laughs> Directed by Jim and Ken Wheat. This is Arnie, your resident teak of now playing. Stuart in LA. And this is Jacob. And come on, you little buggers. Let's get this reviewed. <laughs> Wilford Brimley. They got a big star for their sequel. I got to say. This is what I took note of. I did not see this movie, much like I didn't see the movie last week, but I knew that Wilford Brimley was in it because he was at the height of his fame at this point. He was in Cocoon. He was in The Natural. He was in The Thing. Cocoon was this same year. Could you imagine? He's in like one of the most acclaimed popular films of the year and the Ewok battle for Endor. That's what I mean. This is a huge get. They got to be proud to, to splash his name on the poster for this one. Well, let's not compete against Paul Gleason here, the principal from The Breakfast Club. You mess with the bowl, you get the Gorax. <laughs> and that was this same year as well. So it's star-studded, practically. <laughs> yes, you uh, practically need a star cruiser to get through this cast, preferably <laughs> with phasers. Well, this was one year after Caravan of Courage. Lucas just decided he had more he wanted to discuss or more he wanted to follow up on the ratings hit of the last one. And he knew he was going to bring back some of the characters from the last one, but he interviewed a lot of directors. He didn't bring back the director from the last. And he hired the Wheats because during their interview, they just talked about how much they hated Caravan of Courage. <laughs> that usually doesn't get you the job, but uh, I guess maybe that confirms that Lucas wasn't so happy with the way that movie turned out either. Oh, it was the director's fault. Solid script. It was the director that screwed that one up. <laughs> well, not necessarily, but I, I put it in an extreme. My guess is they were discussing how an Ewok movie could have been so much better. And when you're hiring a director... Well, it's George Lucas, so you probably are just hiring somebody to tell the actor's action because Lucas was, again, very present for these and approving every character design. But these were the ones who worked with him on the story. Although Lucas already had a story in mind. He knew what he wanted the basic thing to be. This was the tryout for Willow, right? Well, not immediately. He and his young daughter, Amanda, were really into Heidi. 
Do you guys remember Heidi? Because oh, I didn't. Yes, I watched the Shirley Temple version all the time as a kid. Yeah, it was the out. It was something my sisters liked, so I was aware of. I never watched it. So they were really into Heidi, and so Lucas decided he wanted a movie where Sindel is orphaned by the death of her family and is taken care of by an old man. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Heidi does team up with an old man. They wanted this. Uh, wow. I got to say, yeah, I a I did not assume after watching that last movie that they would even bother bringing back this family again. But I had no idea what dark schemes they had <laughs> planned for her. Did David Fincher direct this, maybe? I mean, talk about taking a happy lark and turning it dark. I mean, midnight black. I mean, it's the wheats that should be pointed out. They wrote pitch black. But this is the one that's pitch black. <laughs> yeah, this is quite a whiplash-inducing change from the last one, and I'll put it up front. I'm going to have a hard time reviewing this movie because we just watched Caravan of Courage. And this is, at times, such a tonal shift that I felt like whiplash came in. And even though I went back and rewatched some of this, it was like, wow, I, it's hard to judge this as this when you still have Sindel and Wicket running around, and yet it's so different. It's very clear we're in different directorial hands. I will say that much, that even though there's consistency maybe with the music and production designed by Joe Johnston, Lucas is probably just as involved as ever. I can't say that this feels like it's the same piece as last week. This feels more fantasy. That... Last week, I'm not sure what the feel of that was. Nature documentary, really, with all that narration. But this, when I say Willow, yeah, I get a Willow vibe off of this. We're going to have a witch, and we got the bad, scary guy with the sword, and a fortress that has to be invaded. It and they're going after a child. A child is the MacGuffin, and Warwick Davis is here, and <laughs> they're shape-shifting. I mean, seriously, Willow. And yet, Willow with Ewoks. Well then, Arnie, why don't you give him the plot of Willow? I mean, Battle for Endor. A short time after Caravan of Courage, so yes, we're still before Return of the Jedi, the Tawani family, friends of the Ewoks, have repaired their star cruiser and prepare to fly home. But before they can take off, a group of marauders attack. Their leader, Terak, and his sorceress, Shirelle, want the power source from the ship, thinking it's some kind of magic. And they kill both Tawani parents as well as their teenage son, Mace. Let me know when your children stop crying. I'm glad Mace is out of there, at least. <laughs> Mace was the star of the last film, the one with some sort of arc slaughtered in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, he got a growth spurt there. The adolescence was doing a number on him. They had to get rid of him. <laughs> Sindel's still cute. She can stay with Wicket. Yes, she is the only survivor, and she runs to the Ewoks for help. But the Ewoks are also attacked, and several Ewoks are massacred. Yeah, there goes your theory of only one dying per movie. <laughs> and Sindel flees with the young Ewok, Wicket. But in the woods, they encounter a fast and somewhat annoying creature named Teak. Who's tweaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not tweak. Teak. And he leads them to the house of grumpy old man Noah, played by Wilfred Brimley, the first actor in the series worthy of getting his name in a plot summary. Like Sindel, Noah and his friend Salak crashed on the planet and couldn't escape. Salak went looking for a new power source, but never returned. And the two young refugees stay with Noah and Teak baking pies. <laughs> Which is why Noah ends up with the diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Tarek orders that Sindel be captured as Shirelle cannot figure out the secrets of the magical power source. So Shirelle lures Sindel into a trap. And yeah, these names, Shirelle and Sindel, really? That's, you had to do that to me? But Shirelle lures Sindel into a trap and takes her back to Tarek, who puts both of them in cells. And Shirelle reveals that years ago, Tarek murdered Noah's friend Salak and ever since has hunted for a power source. We'll talk about it. Oh my God. <laughs> but Noah, Teak, and Wicket attack Tarek's castle to rescue Sindel and the Ewoks that are prisoner there. They rescue the prisoners, but they're followed and attacked by Tarek and his forces. The Ewoks put up a brave battle. 
using one of Noah's catapults he just happened to have lying around. And when a ring is tossed at Tarek, he turns to Ash. And Sherelle, who's just been sitting by literally looking at all of this from her form as a bird, flies off to a sequel that will never happen. But with the power cell recovered, Noah and Sindel are able to leave Endor on Noah's Star Cruiser. So they tearfully say goodbye as credits roll. Wow, tears. Yeah, I boy, this one's going to get them. I, last week, I felt like the one thing I could say about it was it was safe, that you could give it to all ages and they might be bored with it, but there, it wouldn't hurt them. And I'm telling you, three minutes and 15 <laughs> seconds is all it takes <laughs> to go from skipping in a meadow to Ewok Massacre. There is something that is so horrific. Like, they get into this battle right away, and it's when Sindel finds Mace and her mom, and the mother is just like, you don't even see her face. She's, like, crouched over, lying on the ground. That actually is kind of, like, just grotesque and and horrifying, the way that mother is lying on the ground. And no, like, Mace is like, no, no, she just hurt. It's like, no, she ain't. Yeah, my memory coming back to this. I did watch it live on TV back in 85, The first one hadn't burned me enough. I was getting used to watching Star Wars on TV at this point. My Saturday morning ritual was to watch unfulfilling Star Wars television with droids and Ewoks. (laughs) Even as a kid of 11, I'm like, wow, these are not good. I was watching cartoons and I was liking things like Shirt Tales and Garfield. (laughs) But man, when when Star Wars came on, I think it was the first time in my life that I felt like I had a fan obligation. And because I was watching those ABC cartoons, I knew this was coming. I watched it. And my memory was, this is an entire plot about Sindel and that her family wasn't part of it. That's all I remembered. And I'm like, did they die? Did they say in between movies that they died off camera or are they just not mentioned? Is it just a continuity guffaw that they're just not going to mention? Oh no, they're going to deal with it in The most violent Star Wars scene to date until Revenge of the Sith would come out. Yeah, I agree. This is kind of shocking, really. I mean, all jokes aside, I would be really worried to have my kids beside me watching this. If they they were young enough to enjoy the movie last week, they're young enough to be hurt by this opening. You know what? It was a different time. We could kill Optimus Prime on the big screen. You know, Bambi would come out in the theaters year after year. No problem with that mom dying. I know, uh, maybe there were, were just... problems, Jacob. People cried a lot. Yeah, I'm just saying we I, they didn't shy away from showing death like I think they would now. Here's my equation to this, and it's what was going through my mind when I was watching this this time. Imagine A New Hope where instead of just going back to see Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's charred bodies, you see them set aflame. That is what it's like. At one point, you see like this cannon go off and you just see this explosion. You don't see the bodies, of course, but like you see Sindel's face like she just does this like shocked look. And you're like, well, look at the bracelet. Yep, their lights have gone red. <laughs> it is the bracelet. I, I, it's it's kind of funny the way they have she just looks at it. It's gone. <laughs> that light is out, man. I mean, it's rough. I kept trying to find the hole where they're like, they're going to get through this. I'm like, oh, they're not really dead. They're going to come back. I spent most of this movie waiting for this family. Spin the magic dreidel and and fix it. Go get your medicine sap. Yeah, I I couldn't believe that they would go out this way. It was just stun guns. They weren't being hit with real lasers. I didn't know what the fix was, but I knew Lucas would not put a massacre on Thanksgiving primetime television. (laughs) And yet, here we go. You know what? Maybe this is all before Jedi because... Again, the whole Ewok village is on the ground. Like, yeah, they're totally getting slaughtered by these marauders. And who are these people? Yes, I was was just going to say, I have a lot of questions about these marauders. Like, they have a castle? Do they live on Endor? Are they natives? They have laser guns. They must never have gotten off the planet if they don't know what star cruisers are or how they're powered. But they have laser guns, which is weird. Hmm. I just assume Tarek was neighbors with the Gorax of last week. He's in that forbidden zone that we've never gone in before. And, you know, he's our Lord Vader. Well, the Gorax was in a desert and these have been put into continuity. There's a number of stories that reference Sanassian marauders 
who crash landed on Endor and got stuck there themselves. So they have a ship somewhere. When they're yelling, we need the power, I have the power. I'm thinking Hordak, you, you know, the <laughs> Skeletor spinoff like from He-Man and he's yelling, I have the power. That's what I'm thinking. Like, because nothing in this says they're trying to power a ship. They just want the power, the power. Like, this is such a kid's storyline because the bad guys just want the power. They're just going to say that over and over. Yeah, it does remind me of a Masters of the Universe movie that I'm going to have to watch very soon. Thank you <laughs> for the donor who paid for that pleasure. Uh, yes, I was thinking about that. It is a different kind of kid's fantasy, and that's what this opening really tells you. This is going to be action-oriented. Nothing hand-holding, nothing coddling. Wicked is still cute, and he's going to get his moments, but they're going to be the odd ones out. I mean, most of this movie, it's pretty bleak. Yeah, it really did jar me. And yet I had to step out of myself and get away from the thought of, oh, my God, they just massacred Sindel's family in this kid's movie that starts off with literally her skipping along with Wicked. It's like, yeah. <laughs> la di da we're still in a kid's movie. Everyone dies. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's a David Fincher move. It's Alien 3 <laughs> all over again. And I mean, the Ewok village is on fire. Fire, Ewoks are dying, <laughs> humans are dying. Yeah, they're enslaved. Some Ewoks died, but most of them are just being round up to be put into a concentration camp or something like that. <laughs> and Paul Gleason is the new father. They replaced the parents' actors. Paul Gleason is there. I'm like, oh, obviously the principal from The Breakfast Club is going to be a badass. And he kind of is. He lives longest so he can talk back against the marauders and... Then be shot in the back. He's the only one we get to see shot on camera, but even that's not the death blow. Yeah, he gets to tell his daughter to fly away like a little bird. He literally has a story to tell her to remind her how she's going to fly solo now because go to the Ewoks because we're not going to be there for you. Is that to soften the blow? Like, hey, little girl, don't cry that your entire family is dead because now you're like a bird. It works. She does not yeah, cry. It's a pretty sweet deal. She gets to live with the Care Bears. Yeah. <laughs> They're a little less magical here. They don't have the flower power or whatever the Care Bears have. Yeah, but we do have Sherelle, who, okay, is she like a Sith witch or something? She is. Oh, come on. She has been retconned to be a Night Sister, who are the Sith witches of Dathomir, who are canonical. They were first in the Courtship of Princess Leia book, which literally is the book where Han proposes to Leia. So if she took that ring, that crystal gem on her ring, would that make like a red lightsaber? Is that what that is? Well, Dathomir witches use the Force in ways totally different than Jedis and have dark powers even different than the Sith themselves. So maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Why is she with the Marauder? That... that, that like, you're going to find out she, this isn't a sweet deal for her. Like, she's always cowering and being threatened that she, they're going to kill her. Like, why Why is she sticking around with them? Like, I thought she was going to be, like, the main bad guy because she's the magic witch. But no, she's not. No, I, it's one of those things where there's one big bad and everyone that works for him is kind of afraid. And, you know, it's not unlike Darth Vader. But she can literally fly away. She is the bird that Sindel should be. And she can fly away at any moment. Yeah, but I think she's evil Lynn. Yes, that's exactly the good comparative. Yes. She's part of the horde, but she could never be in charge. And according to the expanded universe story around her... She was a Sith witch on Dathomir. She stole the talisman of the raven, which allows her to become a bird. So they have ravens in the Star Wars universe. Like, they're called the same thing. They're like ducks. Yes, in Alan Dean Foster's novel, there's ducks. And the last movie introduced ferrets and mini horses and ponies. And now we have ravens. And because she stole it, the witches have been hunting her. And she's been escaping and finally joined the Marauders to avoid being persecuted by the witches, and now they're all trapped on Endor, so... What is it about this planet that the people keep crashing there? <laughs> so the Marauders crash there, this family crash there, and Wilford Brimley's also going to have crashed there. Like, why did the Empire ever pick this place to be, like, the hub for their new Death Star? Because all the TIE fighters crashed there. It's like building your new sea <laughs> resort in the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> this is where you're supposed to fly on the original Star Tours ride, too. You never make it, though. <laughs> 
Yeah, strange choices all around. But yes, the little girl doesn't even run away. Raven Woman grabs her, throws her in a rib cage of some animal. It's like a U-Haul rib cage being dragged to yeah her destiny uh, to some dungeon. But because she's tiny and Wicket's tiny, they can slip away. Yeah, I love the Ewoks. Like, they just pull one of the boards off. I don't know why you don't pull more of the floorboards off in this little cart. But they're like, ah, we're too fat. Let the kids go. Can I give some props, though, to the character design of the stop-motion lizard beasts that pull this thing? I love that they look like fish with legs. Yeah, they're cool. I like them. It's much better than the boar wolf from last time, even though that had some cool snarly lips, too. I'm not sure it was much better. Yeah, it was on par. And according to ILM... This here is the peak of their stop-motion animation abilities. This is where they pushed it the farthest, and the last what? time they used stop-motion. You said that last week. What are they pushing? I don't I don't know. I, I, I've i seen Jason and the Argonauts. I, this doesn't look that different. I've seen the original King Kong. This looks pretty much as bad. Well, after this, they would start using go-motion, which was puppets that did it better than this. But yes, they were very proud of their stop-motion creatures, and... The stop motion, it's kind of novel. It's kind of throwback for me. And the design of the tailed legged blowfish, I'll go with it. So you see, at this point, I'm having trouble reconciling it, but there's good things happening here. This is starting to feel more Star Wars. They have laser yes. guns. Yes. They're killing people. There's a child who's like Luke Skywalker. Her family is dead and she has to go on a quest. There's cool creature designs. It's Star Wars done on a shoestring budget. It might be like Ice Pirates, maybe, but it's back in the universe I like. Yeah, I agree with that. This feels much more like a Star Wars movie, a bad Star Wars movie, but a Star <laughs> Wars movie. And even the score will tell you that. I mean, it's the same composer, Peter Bernstein, but I feel like he's going for John Williams trumpets this time. I feel like he's trying to hit those anthems. Yeah, I'm more into this movie, just trying to reconcile, like you said, Stuart, though, that anyone who liked the last one is weeping at this one. <laughs> yeah, and it just gets darker. I mean, they run into a cave and Wicked's like, oh, let me take some skin and bones from something that got <laughs> eaten and I'll make a hang glider to escape. And it ends up being like there's some pterodactyl that like grabs the little girl and flies away. I mean, it keeps getting worse. But at least it's moving. Like I noted last week at the 20 minute mark, we've seen this kid cough the whole time and pretend to be sick. Yeah, at this point, we've had this big fight. We've killed off the family. They've escaped. They're on the run. It's so much more happening. So I don't know if I would say I'm enjoying this anymore, but at least it's brisk and it's it's moving along. Oh, no. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's much more fast paced. And yeah, you can't argue things aren't happening. It's just it's dark. It's just surprisingly grim for a Star Wars movie. I guess this is the Empire Strikes Back of the trilogy, right? <laughs> this was the dark chapter and then it would get lighter with the next TV movie. But they went there. I will add that when they aired this on ABC, it was accompanied by a parent's discretion warning due to the violent nature and the distressing themes. Good call. No joke. I think that is a good call. You do need to prepare an audience, particularly one that enjoyed the movie last Thanksgiving, that they're not going to get this again. They kind of get it back. I mean, they go to commercial break. 20 minutes later, they come back and there's a furry creature throwing walnuts at the Ewok and the little girl. But for the first 20 minutes, it's pretty dark. Yeah, and then it lightens up. Yeah, we got Teak. And yes, if the original Star Wars trilogy had... 3PO, and the prequels had Jar Jar. The Ewok <laughs> movies have Teak. I gotta say, though, with Teak, now obviously there are shots where it's a person in an outfit, but were there puppets used? There's so much more movement in the face. The hands look very petite, but they're moving. It seems much more intricate than the Ewok costumes. It was supposed to be a puppet, but Wilford Brimley said he wasn't working with a puppet. And so <laughs> he called on a crew member to stand in the line. And then eventually they did Teak as an actor in a suit. Yeah, I'll, I'll say high point for me probably in this movie is just the movement and the facial expression. Like this is a creature that... Looks like it could have been in one of the Star Wars films, better than any of those CGI members of the band in Return of the Jedi. Like, I, I like that. It's not just these static eyes and the static mouth that never does much like all the other Ewoks. 
Yeah, he's got a distinctive look. He kind of looks like Splinter from Mutant Ninja Turtles with the <laughs> nose and the teeth and the ears. But he's kind of cool. I like that he's like Speedy Gonzalez. He, he has a force power. He can run like nothing. Uh, least favorite part of the whole movie here. I, I hate everything about Teak. And they give Teak too much to do. Unfortunately, he becomes more important than Wicket. Big mistake. But the real star is Wilford Brimley. And boy, the things they have planned for him, I can't even <laughs> believe. He looks like Santa Claus, like an evil Santa Claus in this movie. He comes in, he's like got a beard and a bald head and he's wearing an outfit. I'm like, I thought he was going to be Father Christmas, but they turned out to be a rude SOB. I know I'm putting way too much thought in this movie, but I do find it funny. We're going to find out like he crash landed here just like everyone else. So these are the clothes he crash landed in and he's been here forever. So this dude was always like just big on the verge of diabetes. <laughs> yes, his love for Quaker Oatmeal began here. I don't think he had made any Quaker Oats commercials at this point, but that's what wins him over. He loves him some porridge. He's ready to kick these kids out, and then all of a sudden they start making muffins, pies, and porridge, and he's like, well, okay. Well, no, he does kick them out. Like, he kicks them out. They're, like, hanging out, building a fire. He throws water on the fire. But, yeah, he does take a shine, and once he tastes their food, kicks them out, but he'll eat their food, and Teak will sneak them a few biscuits. I think he's like the gruff man with the heart of gold. He kicks them out. But then he tells Teak not to sneak him food. He knows Teak sneaks yes. him the food and he lets it happen. And when he goes out and puts out their fire, he's bringing them indoors. I don't understand why he wants to be a hermit. He has booby traps. I mean, he is like the ultimate survivalist who's living somewhere on a farm in the Midwest thinking the Ruskies are going to come. And so he has booby traps there for the day. I don't know why. But yet when he sees these kids hanging around, he does take a shine to them he makes them beds but then when they have left he tries to play it off like he just made them fatigue and he was glad they're gone but you can tell he's sad he's got a heart of gold underneath all of that baggy clothes and he does like that they'll clean up the place like that is their task he's gonna go off and do something mysterious and the kids all have to stay home and clean all day Question about Wicket. He's talking a whole lot more than he was in the last film. Oh, yeah. He's fluent now. Did they make like a Teddy Ruxpin of him or something <laughs> like that? I feel like this might be a toy, actually, that all of a sudden that he really can converse and understand Sindel. She never has to speak Ewok. There are talking Ewok dolls, but pretty much they say, Uka Chingo, Yub Yub. They do not speak English, but... Remember, this is airing at the same time as the Ewoks cartoon now, where they're all speaking fluent English. Okay, I never saw an episode of that. And thank Don't you. do not. Have you seen Smurfs? I, of course. Well, then you've seen the Ewoks. Way worse than Smurfs. <laughs> Ewoks was their answer to Smurfs. Droids got canceled after one season. Ewoks went two because it was Smurfy. Oh, mm. that lasted two seasons? It's so bad. Yeah, they're they're painful. If you head to republicforces.com, you can hear reviews of them. I think that's when I stopped listening because I just couldn't take them. Yeah, I, that's when I stopped participating. I'm just glad they didn't make an animated movie of them because God knows that would be what we're doing next week. <laughs> well, they did <laughs> splice episodes into movies for video. You want to add those? Mm, I think not. <laughs> <laughs> but this is where the movie starts to feel more like last week's with gruff heart of gold Wilford Brimley and his pet life companion i don't know what their relationship is with teak it's trying to be like han solo chewbacca the old years or episode seven i guess we'll call it <laughs> yeah i i don't know exactly what they're going for well i mean what we're told is that he is an outsider that came here with this friend that I am convinced is Tarek. Oh, how is it not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he says that he, my friend and I crashed on this planet and Salik went off to go look for a power source. They say power crystal, so I'm thinking that witch's ring. Yeah, I'm, I'm figuring that they're going to get reunited. He's like, my friend Salik is dead. And Sindel is like, yeah, just like my parents are dead. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, wait, nobody's dead because Salik will turn out to be this monster and the parents will end up being his slaves or something. And it all, it'll all get worked out. It'll all get ironed out. Nope. There's not a lot of detail on what happened, but... According to Ken Wheat, one of the directors, he was completely shocked that they filmed all this 
and we're in editing. And then George Lucas came in and said, okay, we're going to change this, 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 and had a reshoot session almost as long as the original shoot. And apparently that was just how Lucas worked because the producer had already budgeted it in when the wheats were like, where are we getting the money for this? They just called it the George factor. They were doing some more effects work. I do wonder if they changed part of this ending, because how is that not Salak? Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, Salak will end up being a skeleton chained up in the jail. He's dead. And for no reason. Yeah, he was killed for his power source, which he didn't have. He went looking for a power source. But Tarek killed him and threw him in a dungeon and kept his corpse locked up for years after. Yeah, I had to try to figure this out. I'm like... Is Tarek looking for a power source because Salak came around and said, I want a power source? And <laughs> Tarek misunderstood and thought he meant a source of power instead of a battery? <laughs> <laughs> he, I mean, Talek still doesn't get that. They took a power source from Sindel's Star Cruiser. And like the witch is like waving her hands and she's like, make it power, make it power. Like everything is just power, power, make it power. What are they trying to do? Like, do they want an A-bomb to go off with it in their castle? Like none of it makes sense. Yeah. And I don't even get that he wants a starship. He is standing at a starship with a power source and he removes the power source. They don't mm -hmm. want to leave Endor. Mm hmm. They ripped that Star Cruiser apart. They're taking all kinds of pieces from it. He wants to be He-Man. I think he just wants to hold something <laughs> up and say, I have the power. He says, give me the power enough times. You're thinking He-Man. I'm thinking Snap. But yes, they have an arbitrary need for generic power. And this poor <laughs> witch is tasked with getting a child to figure out how to use the part from the ship. Well, in Tarek's meager defense, it is her fault. She can't figure out the magic of the power source, so she throws Sindel under a bus. She's like, well, I can't do it. We should have captured the girl. She would know. Maybe you shouldn't have killed the guy that was fixing the ship. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I still don't know why they raided the village. I've never understood it. What were they hoping to do? Power! Why? Power! They want power! They want the power source, and the Ewoks were the friends of the people who have the power source. I, I didn't even get that they were go They knew there was a ship there to go after. Just like, oh, here, let's attack. No. Yeah, no sense there. But I thought they knew there was power source, and that was the whole point of their attack. They know some things because they know the song that Sindel's mom sang to her because Witch goes out in the forest, starts singing it, and it leads the little girl away from her Ewok friends, and she gets captured. Can I just say, watching Sindel sing that song Ugh. made me feel a lot better about my Silent Night, Deadly Night plot summaries. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, I mean, this is where Wilfred really goes as mushy as his oatmeal. He's like, they're never <laughs> dead when they're here in your heart. I mean, it's the one moment where they process the death. I can give it that compliment. We, they, we, we've had 20 minutes of massacre and then 20 <laughs> more minutes where they pretended there was no massacre. And now we have this one scene that says, yes, there was a massacre, but as long as you believe in their souls, uh, they're not really dead. And is that the lesson of this movie? Because I'm thinking about Young Indiana Jones, the TV that Lucas would be doing not that long after this and how he tried to make it fungicational. Is the lesson here coping with death? I think so. And that is the lesson of Star Wars. I mean, I think they're getting closer to, you know, Luke was an orphan. And I think that they wanted to tap closer into Star Wars this time. I think they wanted to get it closer to what they had done in the theaters. And they are. They're closer. They're still pretty far. But yes, she is quickly captured by Sherelle. Sherelle, was that even the same actress in The Blonde? I couldn't tell, but... It looked like a really bad wig, so I'm assuming it was. Yeah, she cleans up good. Yeah, she. you might remember her also from Dune. She was the Reverend Mother. Stick your hand in the box. I watched that just a few years ago when we did Riddick, and no, I do not remember her from that. Oh, okay, well. If she wasn't the fat guy floating around, or Agent Cooper. <laughs> or Sting. I do not remember her. But Tarek throws them both under the bus. He's like, you know, get this thing to work, you have until dawn, or everyone is doomed. He'll never say killed. He's always like, you're doomed. They, they won't use the word massacre, but it's implied heavily. 
Yeah, all the Ewoks are locked up. They got hauled off, and they're not even forced to, like, cook their dinners or clean their mess hall. It's They're just locked up in jail because they want power and people are evil in this film. Have you seen the food that Ewoks are eating? I would not want them making dinner either. But it's kind of shades of Firestarter here. All of a sudden, little Drew is being told, make it work, make it work. And she's like, I can't. I believe her. <laughs> I wasn't thinking Firestarter. I probably should be. I think a lot of listeners want me to think more about Firestarter. <laughs> you still got Dead Zone to think about. <laughs> but I was thinking Willow again. Here we are in the castle with the witch and the power thing. And there's Warwick Davis is on the way to help rescue her. It's just really becoming willow for me down to the pointless macguffin of the child i mean is it the macguffin the power source or the child it's whatever i guess pushes the plot along but again at least the plot's being pushed along sure and you you say that wicket is coming to our rescue i wish that were true wilford brimley <laughs> is ramboing up oh that scene i, I roll when he powers up and it's just like i'm gonna buckle my jacket yeah. That is not his torso. That is not <laughs> his torso. I don't know what that is, but I'm surprised he didn't put on a red headband. <laughs> and it's so funny because it's like Wicket's the one packing up the weapons. He's got that grappling gun he's thrown in a bag. Why Noah just gets dressed? And Noah's like, get my rope. Reminded me of the Pace Picante ad. <laughs> That's right. Get my rope. They actually want us to believe that this man is like, yeah, an Arnold, that the, a Stallone, that he he's the is, Mad Mordigan, the Val Kilmer of the film. No, you don't get Wilford <laughs> Brimley for this part. This is patently absurd. This is so ridiculous. Hey, he was pretty dangerous in the firm. Yeah, I and let's not forget he was the thing. For a certain demographic, he was not the thing to play on solo. He was the old dude at the retirement home swimming with aliens. Yeah, firing grappling hooks and later a sword fight. I, what they ask him to do is well beyond what he should be doing. He's not age appropriate, as my thinking as well. Like they wrote this role and they thought maybe a 40 year old guy would play it because he said he crashed on the planet when he was very young. Well, he must have crashed like before the Clone Wars <laughs> because he's been there a hell of a long time. I think if they did get somebody kind of like in their 40s to play it, but the biggest star they could get was Wilford Brimley. So, OK, that's that's just a guess. I have no knowledge, but that feels written that way. Mm. I don't know why you get Wilford for this. I get why you would put him in this movie. He has a grandfatherly quality. A girl just lost her family. He would be a nice uncle to have if, you know, Wicket was your new, you know, brother. I, you could see a surrogate family being replaced, but I do not see Rambo being replaced by Wilford Brimley. <laughs> you mean Wilford Brimley isn't going to be in The Expendables 4? <laughs> but now we get to the action-packed climax. The story is done. Can you put quotes around that? Well, no, I can't because the story is done. It's, we're in act three. We're an hour in and the plot is over. They've gotten there. Yes, this is, this is the battle for Endor. Yes. This, this is it. Yes. I, I'm saying put quotes around action-packed because... It is packed with action. It's, it, it's packed with something. Yeah, it is it is action-packed. Now, whether it's been successfully portrayed, I would actually give it a compliment and say for television on this budget, it's shocking how much they're relying on stunts and explosions and stuff. I wouldn't think a TV movie would risk having so much action because usually you know it's not going to look very good on their budgets. But yeah, we got Teak scaling the walls. Throwing guards into moats filled with monsters. We got Wicked. They do that thing, that trope where like they stand on each other's shoulders to yeah. equal one guy. And no one catches on like that. To me, that's just like, OK, these are just dummy. Mar these marauders like they can't even catch on that. This thing that's supposed to get revealed and they should start the fight then. But no, they're able to get to the dungeon, free everyone. They're not going to let that witch go. Even I could tell that wasn't Warwick Davis on his shoulders, but just a empty suit. And that wasn't Wilford Brimley underneath either, I hate to tell you. Nor was it Wilford Brimley like when they kill the one marauder and it pulls the rope down and he gets pulled up the wall. Like, no way. 
I'm pretty sure that Wilford Brimley stunt double does as much screen time <laughs> as he does in the second half of this movie. But I did like the one scene where where Teak gets two gambling guards, they're the ones in charge of the jail, to shoot each other because he takes one's cards from the deck that they're playing with and puts it in the sleeve of the other ones. Hey, it's more convincing looking than when Greedo shoots at Han. It is indeed, but... Teak murdered those people. Yeah. Again, we're back at a pretty brutal movie. He created a scenario where they would kill each other. Yeah, but they're the bad guys. I expect them to die. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm with Arnie. I actually think that, yeah, when guards fall out and get pushed and all of that, it, you know, into the moat, there is a cruelty. It's one thing to get away. It's another thing to kill to get away. And, and I think this movie pushes that. There is one moment where, like, I almost laughed. I'll give it that much. And it's, you know, you had all these marauders. They try to follow the Noah and the Ewoks out on that zip line. And it gets cut. So they're all hanging. They're, they're all trying not to get into that moat because there's something in there that's going to eat you. And then you cut to inside and you see Tarek take his sword and cut that rope. And there's this faint scream as you hear those marauders fall into that moat, which... It was kind of funny. I almost laughed at it. But yeah, that, there are people dying as a joke in this film. Yeah, kind of surprising. Again, not a surprise if you made it this far into the movie. But again, surprising that Lucas would think this is OK. Do we know how much of this is re-edits and, and what was the original? I'd have to believe that they started somewhere safer and then maybe by necessity or. Remember, Lucas's original concept was kill the family. Okay, yeah. And he's in that dark place. I mean, this is happening around the time of his divorce and Temple of Doom. Yeah. So maybe he just is not feeling sentimental. It's coming through. It's just ironic because he's taking his most childish, maudlin little characters and using that to, you know, it'd be one thing if these were stormtroopers, but they're Ewoks. But let's keep in mind the Ewoks did try to cannibalize the rebels and killed a lot of stormtroopers, probably ate them, and then played the drums with their corpses' helmets. Yeah, I'll say, like, the violence here, when this battle gets going, like, you see arrows penetrate the marauders, you see spears go through them. We never saw anything of that level in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it's pretty fakey here, but yes, we do get to see it. Well, everything's pretty fakey here, but... And when they get out, the battle they have, I mean, there's a lot of people here and the Ewoks are rolling these tree cuttings down the hill. I'm like, those could be pretty easily dodged. It was much better when they rolled full logs, but I guess TV budget, you can't afford a log. Yeah, I'm like, those are just going to fall over. These Ewoks are not the brightest bulbs. Well, they're going to learn. They're going to learn for next year when they have to fight the Empire. This is all training. They also had, they had their own catapults back home, but they have a hard time figuring out how Wilford Brimley's works. Yeah, that's like 10 minutes of this film, it feels like. This battle is substantial. I mean, it's about 30 minutes long. I mean, it is battle, 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 battle. And everyone gets in on the fight. I mean, Teak is, you know, lighting a fire under the stop motion lizards and tying guards to trees. E Ewoks are getting hold of laser guns and using them. Yeah, I mean, even Sindel, you know, she I don't think she fires any of the laser cannons, but she's there in the ship trying to make it go with Noah. And it is a lot of action. So what's Noah's plan is it to get that ship going and take off. Is he going to leave the <laughs> the Ewoks there to keep fighting the Marauders? Was he yes. planning on getting all the Ewoks in there? <laughs> yes, that is his plan is to flee. But keep in mind. Theoretically, the Marauders, well, they're murderous asses, but I was thinking if they take off, well, the power source is gone. The child is gone. <laughs> That's not going to stop them. <laughs> <laughs> that just means they're going to kick around a few more Ewoks. Well, maybe he was just wanting to power the lasers of the ship. I don't know. But yeah, I got the impression he would have left them all behind. He leaves them anyway. I couldn't believe that. But his eventual goal is to get off this planet without Teak, his best buddy. Yeah, he decides to have a one-on-one -on -one with Terra because that's how this war is going to be. This battle for Endor is going to be resolved. And to have to watch Noah Wilford Brimley with his walking stick take on this dude with a sword. It's just, I, I don't know. I'm not going to leave the fate of my country in Wilford Brimley's hands. What are you talking about? It's Obi-Wan Invader all over again. It's great. <laughs> Great? Great? Do you want to stand by those words? <laughs> I can't do it. I tried. No, it's terrible. Alec Guinness, at his advanced age, had better moves than Wilford Brimley. 
Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure if you go give a cane to any senior citizen, they could give something more spirited <laughs> than this. And he doesn't even win the battle. It's wicked. Like we saw him earlier. He does this thing with like berries where he like flips it in a sling and catches him in his mouth. I guess he takes a rock this time and he hits the crystal the, because Tarek is holding that crystal. He won't let the witch keep it so she can't turn. No, he's given the cr- ring back to that witch. No, no, no. He let her turn into a raven to go find him, but took the ring off of the raven like he has it around his neck. Oh, that was hers. It was mentioned that he had his own power source. I thought that maybe he had a matching ring thing. I was confused on that as well. I Yeah, no, there is a scene where you see him take it off in the jail cell. He he takes that ring off the raven. All right, I missed that bit. But that yeah. does explain why Sherelle does nothing here at the end. I'm like, where is the sorceress? When is she going to come back into it? Because that's what you need. She's been equally bad, although she's had this weird arc. Because she kind of bonded with Sindel in the jail, but then when Wicket tries to let Sherelle out, Sindel's like grabbing the keys, throws them down a drain. <laughs> that was a surprise. I did not think that child had it in her. She's like, no, she's evil. Don't help her. I was like, oh, I thought this was the moment where you realize there, she isn't evil and you become like, you don't have a mother and maybe she can be maternal for you. No way, man. Did you see that cheap? dime store skeleton that she turned Salak into or maybe Tarek did it like no way you're you're gonna leave her there yeah I was surprised by the fact that she seemed to be softening and is still left there they literally throw away the key then she comes back well she's more powerful than Tarek I think she's more dangerous she's a magical night sister so I really expected her to have a better finale than to just watch this like Randall flag from afar and then fly away. Yeah. Well, Tarek's tall and he's a sword fighter. And I mean, he is the giant from Twin Peaks. I mean, he's got a little bit of supernatural in him. Oh, that's him. Yeah. Also men in black and the monsters, right? Yeah. He pl- yeah. The, he plays Lurch. Lurch. Yeah. I didn't realize it was him under the makeup. I didn't realize he wasn't Salik. I didn't realize he could be beaten by an old man with diabetes in a sword fight. Well, no, it, it is Wicket that wins. He knocks that crystal, and for reasons, it hmm. goes off and, I don't know, puts him in carbon freeze, turns him to ash, whatever you want. I'm, I'm not sure what happened. It's like the Han Solo melting in reverse. He has the orange lights coming out of him, and then he's turned into something solid. Yeah, and again, I do feel like these TV movies have been trying to replicate famous moments from the movies in their own dime store way. So, yeah, this is that moment, and it would probably scare little kids. I think most of this movie would scare little kids, but it's just strange to any anybody adult watching this. I, I have no idea what stopped him. Power. I guess power <laughs> finally got him. Yeah, he got power he wanted. I don't know. He should have been electrocuted by a power source. There needed to be more irony in there. but Yeah, that's the problem with this. If there's just more <laughs> irony, I could totally go with this battle. But then after trying to do a dime store version of Star Wars scenes, they're going to do a dime store reversal of the end of E.T. Yeah. Instead of Drew Barrymore staying on the planet while the alien flies away, the aliens stay on the planet crying while Drew Barrymore flies away. And there's no reason why they can't come along, right? I mean, it's just mean of Wilford Brimley to be like, okay, I've lived off of you for years. Thanks. Bye. Is Teak, whatever Teak is, is is his species native to Endor? Or is like, did he come from somewhere else? And it's just like, my old friend. Well, there is some debate about that. Oh, of course. Uh, Teak's species is a Teak. And finally, canonically, after a bit of going back and forth about where he came from, at one point, I think he crashed on the planet. But in the end, like he- everyone else, Ewoks aren't even from Endor. They crashed on the <laughs> planet. So it's a Planet of the Apes thing. Like years back, they crashed there. Yeah. Teak is a native to Endor. So he was kept home versus going out into the world. It's just weird. He doesn't have a family. It's like he's the pet dog. You don't leave the dog behind. Just, you know, when you move. I mean, I guess some mean people do, but not a decent person. Like, Noah, take Teak. You guys are friends. Yeah, he he looks awful in this respect. I mean, he just he, like it's he gives him a speech. It's like, "Sorry, old friend, can't come with me." 
Humans only. No, he's named Noah. Isn't Noah the one that took two of every kind of animal with him? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't care. Yes. It's terrible. But yeah, God will smite him. So it's all right. It seemed like Teak and Wicket were bonding. There was a moment where the ship's flying off that Teak and Wicket look at each other, and I thought they were going to kiss. Yeah, so did I. And so I'm like, maybe they're bonded. Maybe they're going to stay together on Endor. But Teak, I mean, his fast speed was very handy in a fight. Marjorie, not knowing the timeline, was like, why didn't Teak do that in the Battle of Endor? Well, he he wasn't there. So I don't know why he wasn't there. Maybe the Marauders who were left, came back and killed him. Hard to say. Everybody else dies, so why not? Yeah, maybe he got a cough. There wasn't enough tree sap. <laughs> Spin the dreidel. So, Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Ewoks, the battle for Endor? Jacob. Is this better than last week? Yes, it is. I I was still bored, but pacing-wise, I it moves a bit faster. You know, so I that was a plus, but it's still pretty abysmal, like production wise. Look, go listen to our review of Willow. That's the problem here. It's, it's just it's so fantasy. It's and it's not good fantasy. It, you say this is a battle for Endor. I feel like I'm watching Battle for the Planet of the Apes again, where you have a couple of school buses come in and that's supposed <laughs> to be a big war. It's just yeah. today they figured out how to do this on TV today. But back then, no, it just doesn't work. And yeah, we, we talked about there is so much death in this. Again, little kids. Probably not going to dig it, and adults, no, no way you're going to like this, so not recommend. Stuart. Yeah, it's different than last week. Uh, probably equally bad. I'm, I'm hard-pressed to say which is better. This is closer to Star Wars. I would say if you wanted your TV Ewok movie to be closer to Jedi, this is closer to Jedi, but it's done in a very poor way. And uh, just because it's more fast paced, I don't know. I'd rather have my kids watch the movie last week. I feel like. But you don't have kids. I mean, you're you're being hypothetical. You know, yes, it is hypothetical. But if I did, I don't know that this is a movie I'd want them to watch. I don't know. The whole thing. We can all agree. These are both bad movies. And I would dare say that anyone wouldn't enjoy them other than forcing themselves because they're going to say it's Star Wars and I love Star Wars. Maybe out of obligation, somebody can muster some compliments for this. But no, it's been a pretty bleak couple of weeks here in the Star Wars universe, and I'm happy to give it a not recommend. I think you're being too hard on this, Stuart. I think you should look at it as, you know, a Star Wars movie, not a movie aimed at five-year-olds. And that was my problem, too, with this. I had to go back to it because my first review of this was, wow, the tone is so different, this is going to alienate the target audience. But then I flipped the script and said, imagine if the anomaly isn't this one, but the anomaly is the dang caravan of courage that we all loathed. What if that's the one that has the wrong tone and this is the course correction? And I started to look at it, and I'm like, you know, there's good character design, the music's better, it's not as dull. This has got quite a bit going for it. How much does it have going? Are you really going to give it the power? Well, I really had to give this some thought. And in the end, I'm going to recommend this <gasps> to people who like Willow. Because I think this is a pre-Willow but I don't like Willow, so I'm going to give it a week not recommend. <laughs> a week, though? week not recommend? I guess I'll be happy with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, unlike some bad movies I watched, I didn't want to, like, take a brick bat to this. But, <laughs> I mean, it is dumb. You know, I, I guess that's what I, I ultimately feel like. This is a waste of time. And it is made for kids. I really don't feel like you can say that this is made for anyone over the age of 12, really. Yeah, I I don't think kids would enjoy this. Yeah, I think this was aimed at a teen audience. Maybe the ones who are on the higher age of the range for the first movie, they're now around the age that Mace would be and want something a little bit harder. I agree. This thing has some serious flaws, but it's just so much better than last week. It feels like Star Wars. I can see why people could like this, but in the end, it's just too much fun nonsensical fantasy for me and yeah lucas would just remake this with warwick davis he'd call it willow ron howard would direct it and it would be in theaters and i think that's why the ewok movie stopped this one 
another success. And Lucas was saying at the time he was working on a third one, but it just never happened. Oh, so they were going to make a trilogy. This wasn't a ratings bomb. I presume that that people were outraged, but I guess I'm just projecting. (laughs) Again, I don't have the actual ratings, but everything said at the time is that they planned more. Warwick Davis and Eric Walker, who died in this one, thought that a third film was in the works. I kind of think that by getting rid of Sindel... This was a way to have another adventure with new people interacting with Wicket and Teak. Yeah, who's going to crash on the planet this week? <laughs> you can make a whole show out of it. Every week, somebody new. Crash, crash, crash. <laughs> it's like Gilligan's Planet. That actually was a cartoon around the same time. But I think the other thing that happened is audiences got a little tired of Star Wars. I know that by the time this one came out, again, Droids and Ewoks were on. The next year, Droids was canceled. Ewoks had one last gasp of air. The most expensive Star Wars figure of all time comes from Ewoks. Vlix. Vlix, who was a villain in the series that he was sculpted by Kenner, who made the toys, but never made in America, only released in Brazil. And if you can find one, he's 5,000 or more. Do you have one? I do not yet. Mm. Yet being the key word. Someday when I retire and have extra money, then maybe. But I don't know. With the new movies, everything's going up in price. By that time, it's going to be 15000 So I'd, I'd like one, but it, no, not yet. But when droids ended, the figures were literally in the dollar bin. Figures that you could spend hundreds of dollars right now for were in a dollar bin at KB. And as Stuart pointed out in one of the early Star Wars reviews we did... Even I had moved on, and in 1988, I think it was, when Star Wars was released on VHS, time went a lot slower for me as a child than it does now. It had been five years since Return of the Jedi. I'm like, oh, Star Wars, that's still a thing? And I think interest waned, and Lucas had moved on to other things. It wouldn't be until 90, with Heir to the Empire, that... Lucas would start putting the toe back in the water to see if there was still a public interest in Star Wars. Well, I'm not certainly going to cry the amount of tears that the cast does at the end of this movie, that there are no more Ewok TV movies to enjoy. Uh, Good riddance. And I'm glad that whatever I think about Phantom Menace, and I don't remember much about it, I only saw it once, I think that it is going to be an improvement over both these movies. I think that's a fairly safe bet. At least it's going to have a lot more budget. That said, I'm curious if your vitriol will be as extreme. It may be. I'm kind of just sitting back to see what you do when it feels like a Macho Man Savage. Like, what are you going to do when Jar Jar comes for you? (laughs) And this is the moment, like, of the retrospective that I've been most eager to actually get to. This is, I want to reconcile my feelings. Like, I feel like these prequels, like, I defended them at first, and then it just, it went bad and just started festering and boiling and, and got real nasty. And, and like, it, it, it built up to something. Like, that, that disappointment, I denied it a long time, and then I embraced it. I went to the dark side. And, like, I feel like I this is the moment now. I'm going to come and... Face myself in the cave and see what comes out. Well, Jacob, hold your banthas, because we're taking a month off before we get there. Yeah, Star Wars took over a decade. We can take a couple weeks and do some other stuff. Yeah, we got a couple other movies coming up. And then Spectre, James Bond is back. So listeners, you can start listening to that. Our longest retrospective ever. What is that? 26 episodes? 26 movies? Yes. So you can start playing catch up now for when our review of Spectre comes out on November 10th. We will get back to Star Wars on November 17th when we really start the build up to The Force Awakens with The Phantom Menace. Meanwhile, for people who like violent movies like Battle for Endor, this Friday on the donation (laughs) feed, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, they're pretty equivalent. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really see a whole lot of comparative there, but... Hey, listen, only Wicked speaks English. I like to think that Deej is just quoting Ezekiel to the Marauders at the end. <laughs> I did think the Ewoks might be cursing at certain moments in this movie. I didn't they know. say Lardo or Lardo a lot. 
Yeah, I don't know what they speak, but it's probably not nearly as profane as Samuel Jackson's going to be. Well, that is part of our gold donation series. You can get a huge number of reviews. The most we've ever done. We didn't raise the price. We kept the price the same. $25 for a gold donation. But honestly, we probably should have raised the price because you're getting 14 podcasts for $25. That's two Battle Royales. Those have already been released at the silver level. And then the four Hunger Games movies that complete the silver level. We're going to be doing those this November. And then eight Quentin Tarantino films. All eight ending with Hateful Eight. Every movie he's directed, gold level. Every movie that he wrote but didn't direct, uh, that's going to be platinum, which is a donation of 35. You're going to get four more films. And two of those have already been released. True Romance, Natural Born Killers, they're out now. And then after Pulp Fiction, because we're going chronologically through Tarantino's filmography, we're going to get to Four Rooms, an anthology movie he made with three other directors, and From Dust Till Dawn. Just the first one. We'll talk about all three. I know that there's a TV series and two directed video sequels. Yep. Seen them all, own them all, even the TV series. Good luck with that. I'm the From Dusk Till Dawn fan. You're lucky I don't have Gecko's tattoos. I love the tattoos that Clooney sports in that film. I would, I just, I can't rock them, but I wish I could rock them. But you can hear me just fanboy out over those tats if you go to our platinum level donation. And you certainly can't argue the value per dollar because these are in-depth, long, detailed shows, $35. That is less than $2 per podcast. And keep in mind, this show that we do every week on Totally Free Tuesday, it's free for you. It costs us money. So even if Tarantino isn't your little green bag, then think about donating to support the 54 shows we put out for free every year. We really could use your support, and I thank you in advance for it. And Wicket thanks you too. Thank you. But with that, we're going to end Ewoks... We'll be back next week, and until then, the podcast will be with you, always. I'm going to leave soon? I guess so. The Star Cruiser's almost fixed. We're going to have to say goodbye. Goodbye? That's what you say when your friends go away. Goodbye, not good. I don't want to leave your wicket, but we can finally go home. Thank you for listening to this episode of the now-playing Star Wars Retrospective Series. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Hey, gone, huh? Well, good riddance. I didn't want him here anyway. He would have brought us nothing but trouble, you understand? Trouble! If you like Star Wars, join Arnie and Marjorie at SWActionNews.com for Star Wars Action News, a podcast dedicated to Star Wars toys, books, games, and more. Of course, your friends, they are my friends too. And come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review. Don't worry, I won't be gone forever. I'll come back and visit you as soon as I can. Yes, yes! Cinder, come back. Visit Wicked. In the archives at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can find hundreds of in-depth movie reviews, including every film in the Star Trek, Terminator, 2001, Back to the Future, Batman, and James Bond film series. Don't be foolish. Do what he says. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can share your opinions of these films with the hosts and other listeners. First thing you know, they want to be friends or something. <laughs> and then look at the trouble we'd have. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Yes, you can come with us. Now Playing is an independent podcast with no sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to help keep the show going. Better not have hurt them. 
Find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. My Lord Terak wants what you have concealed from him. He will get what he desires. You can also help out Now Playing by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. A link to Now Playing's iTunes listing can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. I will give you until dawn. If you have not done as I have commanded, you and your friends will be doomed. Now playing is edited by Arnie. Hello, Mega Mask, you hear me? What? Now playing credit narration by Brock. Use your magic. Now playing is not affiliated with Lucasfilm, 20th Century Fox, or Disney. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is the intellectual property and trademark of Lucasfilm Limited, and no infringement is intended. They're here! What's the matter? They're gonna get me! They're here! Who's here? What's going on over here? Bad man! The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. We got a lot better things to do, you know, than these little bounders. Somebody's somewhere worrying about them. And come daylight, they're going to have to go. Now playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2015, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Oh, you're my very best friend. Best friend, best friend. I'm going to miss you. I'll come back and visit you as soon as I can. Please come back. I'll come back and visit you both. <laughs> Goodbye. 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 Not good. Come on, Sentinel. It's time we go. Yes, you uh, practically need a star cruiser to get through this cast, preferably with phasers. <laughs> there are no phasers in Star Wars, Stuart. That's Star Trek. Oh. We have lasers. Okay. And blasters. Just make sure you get mine with extra. <laughs> Where, not Citadel, I keep calling her Citadel. <laughs> Sindel. You're thinking He-Man, I'm thinking Snap. <laughs> snap? No, I know. I'm like, actually, everyone listening to this does not know what you're talking about, but I do. <laughs> I've got the power. Oh. Yeah. Arnie is still in love with the 90s. Wow, <laughs> man. That is a deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting, it's getting, it's getting kind of heavy. I mean, I, I would have got a DJ Fad <laughs> reference, but. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I don't, yeah. He-Man's the better reference, quite frankly, for where <laughs> yes. we're at. I'll be honest. <laughs> Snap. They wouldn't come along for three more years, and then they wouldn't be around three more months after. <laughs> I forget about Rhythm as a Dancer, though. <laughs> they had two hits. <laughs> All things we'd rather be discussing than Ewoks. <laughs> exactly. You might want to talk about Technotronic. <laughs> Pump up the jam. Pump it up while the beat is pumping. The S is for super. The U is for, yeah, the, much better conversation than what we're doing now. <laughs> we could just freestyle rap like, these songs, and I think. Yeah, rap from my junior high years. Let's do it. New podcast. <laughs> Copyright infringement is what we'll name it. <laughs> you mean Wilford Brimley? Is it going to be in The Expendables 4? <laughs> well, he's dead. So what you're saying is no. <laughs> That's true. With, with modern technology, he could be just as competitive as some of those in him. I mean, Stallone and Schwarzenegger's careers have been dead for a long time, and they're still in them. No. Oh, oh, oh.